Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF. And it's Thursday, so we're back to preview another week of exciting fantasy football. And I say we because I am once again joined by the great Kate Maju. Kate, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. My fantasy teams, uh, some of the injuries that they've sustained, not doing so well. But that's why we're here to help everybody else. You know, Nick Chubb injury, Saquon Barkley injury. There's a lot to navigate and I, I think we're going to, uh, you know, do our very best to help everybody's fantasy teams navigate through this crazy week three, all of the matchups. We're going to talk about, you know, some matchups we're targeting players we want to avoid. We're we're going to cover it all in today's episode. And I think the folks are going to like it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. It's, it's always fun to kind of preview these games and, and try to figure out where things are going to go and then see how right we were or how wrong we were um, once Sunday rolls around, but it's, it's fun nonetheless, but I'm definitely excited to uh, yeah, get into this week's slate. We're going to go game by game again. Um, This time I'll, I'll try to put the timestamps in the episodes descriptions for both YouTube and audio so that um, people can find the games they're looking for more easily. And hopefully that helps kind of navigate it too, if there's games that you're not as interested in. So um, that should help. But before we get into it, uh, I do want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states, prices, subject, underwriting and health questions. All right, Kate, let's start it off here with Thursday night football, as we always do, um, even though the, for the most part, this game has been played for the large majority of listeners. We still get to kind of prognosticate a little bit because we haven't seen it yet, but people get to maybe figure out um, where we were right and wrong a little bit sooner. <laughs> um, so. No Saquon Barkley for this game. Unfortunately, uh, he has been ruled out. Obviously, the short week he was dealing with the injury late last game. So it wasn't expected that he was going to play. Um, how are you feeling about the Giants backfield heading into this game going against the 49ers? That's a big heck no for me, dog. I'm yeah, not sure. <laughs> I am not seeking out this matchup. I know that the Rams somehow found some success against the 49ers in the run game. Kyron Williams finished as the overall overall RB one last week against this defense. Again, no idea how it happened, (laughs) but it happened. Um, You know, that also came on the back of like some significant usage in the receiving game. Mm -hmm. This is just not a matchup that I'm looking to target on any given week whatsoever. I'm, I'm hands off, especially like, you know, I would have concerns about efficiency, even with some of the best backs in the league against this defense, especially so when we don't really know how this backfield is going to shake out. And to be honest, like, I don't think we can necessarily project them to be in sort of a neutral situation. I think they're going to be playing from behind. Um, You have the Niners 10 and a half point favorites in this one. 
they're probably going to be throwing They're They're not going to have a lot of time to run the ball. Anyway. I'm, I'm not digging any of these running backs. I, I, I feel like even in the most desperate of situations, we can find other options elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I, I I'm going to treat last week's Kyron William performance against the 49ers is kind of like an outlier an anomaly so far until we see it um, from multiple backs or multiple games, because typically we know this 49ers defense is very good, uh, especially against the run. And yeah, I think there will be more passing. And even then it's not a great matchup for the giants wide receivers. The 49ers are, have been a zone heavy defense. They've allowed just 4.76 yards per coverage snap while in zone this season, uh, which ranks fourth best in the league. And then the giants wide receivers too. The starters, at least, because Jalen Hyatt's been fine, but they've all posted below average fantasy points per route run against zone coverage through two games this season. So it's it's hard to get too excited about a lot of the Giants fantasy options in this one, including Daniel Jones um, and and the other passers. Uh, yeah, unfortunate, unfortunate timing to, uh, you know, have a really exciting week for Daniel Jones finishes the overall RB1 or QB1 uh, in week two. So unfortunate that we have to come right out of the gate into this kind of matchup. This is going to be a defense that's going to be able to force some turnovers against this offense in particular. I just think this is going to be a disaster on both sides of the ball. Now, um, also worth noting, Brandon Ayuk managing an injury. So not sure if, uh, you know, I I don't know that he's 100% going to play. It sounds like he is. He was listed as questionable. Could be an interesting spot to utilize you know, Debo Samuel a little bit more. We've seen uh, Brandon Ayuk be kind of a, a featured asset here. And and maybe we see a, a really heavy Debo Samuel game, or maybe just maybe we see a little bit of George Kittle. Um, yeah. Either way, I think, you know, maybe this is going to be, you know, one of the games where this can be an offense where they can coast it out and take their foot off the gas, maybe a little bit, a little bit early in this one. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying yeah, for sure. And and look, Brandon Ayuk, I, I was so excited about him for, for this matchup specifically, but it's hard with that shoulder injury now because he's he's still questionable, I believe. He hasn't been ruled out or anything. It feels like he might play or give it a go, but he's been like the best wide receiver in the league against man coverage this year, and the Giants are a man-heavy defense as well. So it was like really a perfect matchup that for him to kind of dominate um, this season. I think he's earned the highest receiving grade against man. Um, he's got, uh, where did I put this? Yeah, he's been one of the best receivers as far as fantasy points per route run against man coverage as well. So it, it would have been a nice matchup, but I'm with you. I think there's potential for somebody else to kind of step in there, whether it's Devo Samuel or George Kittle. I think I'm starting those guys pretty much no matter what, because I, I have confidence in the 49ers offense against uh, this Giants defense right now. Yeah, I, I think that honestly is where we can end this game here. Because <laughs> yeah, I true. You know what? Honestly, I'm not I, I don't even know how long the, the football world is going to last watching this matchup because this has the marks of like a tried and true beatdown, which does mean now that we're, you know, projecting a beatdown against the Giants probably means we're going to see something totally wacky like we did in week two, but eh, not yeah. the most exciting game on the slate, unfortunately, for NFL scheduling. Yeah, yeah. They like to do that on Thursday Night Football. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They so, do. Yeah, they always give us a few stinkers in there throughout the year just so that they can take advantage of the the views there. We know they know we're going to watch anyways, but we might not yeah. watch the whole thing. Keep us uh, humble. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, all right, let's move on to the Sunday slate then. And we will talk about the New Orleans Saints at the Green Bay Packers. So a little bit of a tougher matchup for the Packers passing offense this week. The Saints have been a top 10 coverage team so far this season. Um, they've been among the better teams at limiting scoring for their opponents uh, overall. Um, we've been riding the Jordan Love train, which has worked out fine so far. I do wonder if we keep riding here, if if like Christian Watson's back or Aaron Jones or David Bakhtiari, all three, one of the three, two of the three, none of the three. Um, but I'm just slightly less confident, I guess, about Love than I was the past two weeks. Uh, how, how about you? How are you feeling about the Packers offense for this one? Yeah, not not so excited. I know we've seen some some exciting performances. Jordan Love, QB3 in week one, followed up with a QB15 performance against the Falcons. The biggest issue is that he's ranked bottom five in, in passing yards among mm-hmm. quarterbacks. A lot of that production has come off the fact that he's thrown three touchdowns in both of his two games. Um, hasn't been overly efficient, but like, again, uh, has, has made up for his efficiency or inefficiency as a passer, um, hasn't exceeded 56% uh, completion rate in either of these games, um, you know, has sort of made up for that a little bit with this passing touchdown production. And I do expect that, especially against the Saints defense that I think is um, generally, you know, can be a little bit underrated. I, I think this might be a spot where we see that some of that touchdown regression, um, you know, and, and on the other side of the ball, don't love, uh, the defensive matchup for them as well. Like this, this Packer secondary, um, you know, I think is uh, much tougher than, than they're going to be, you know, able to beat on the ground. Like I, I think this is, you know, a Packers defense that you can generally run behind, but you know, the saints are in kind of a, a situation right now with their running backs room. You've got Alvin Kamara, who's suspended for one more game. You have Jamal Williams suffered a hamstring injury. Doesn't sound like he's going to go. Um, you've got Tony Jones Jr. And you've got rookie Kendra Miller, who has been managing an injury of his own and hasn't played yet. So like (laughs) a lot of unknowns, but can I tell you who I think is going to emerge as the RB one in, in week three for the saints team? Cause I, again, I think that's where the the best matchup for this Mm -hmm. team will lie against that Packers run defense. The, 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 the running back you want to own is not a running back and it is tight end oh. Taysom Hill who last week uh saw nine carries 75 rushing yards um was super productive on the ground like I I know Tony Jones got the touchdown but you know we might see this offense leaning more towards Taysom Hill given their their question marks like uh who are they going to trust Taysom Hill who's been a, a great spot start in the run game or Kendra Miller, who it seems like never really fully took over that job, despite the fact that I really like Kendra Miller. I think uh, Taysom Hill is the cheat code there to to line up in your tight end spot because there's a non-zero chance he leads the team in carries this week. I wouldn't be surprised. All right. Both I love that. Yeah. Love it. Love it. I Yeah. It's, it's part of the reason too why I'm, I like Kendra Miller, but I don't love Kendra Miller this week. Like I'm very hesitant about putting him into the lineup, even though this is a pretty good matchup like you said for um for the run game for the saints and i think there's a chance that we still see tony jones kind of work in there with kendry miller kind of coming off the injury um and then yeah Taysom hill absolutely has a chance to to get in there get heavily involved and we saw it a little bit more last week as well once um jamal williams was dealing with the injury too so yeah this is good this is uh this will be an interesting one to watch but yeah i'm not 
I'm not going to really be targeting anybody for this game if I can afford to. I'm trying to avoid um, the running backs. As, as much of a nice matchup it is, I think you're right. The usage is what could be uh, holding us back here from having a great starter. Yeah, I'm not excited about anybody on either side of the ball here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Chris Olave could could see a down week. Um, you know, the Saints offense in general, I think this is going to be kind of a, a low scoring game. It's in Green Bay. Um, you know, I, I think both of these defenses are probably a little bit better than we naturally give them credit mm-hmm. for. Eh. Now, the one big question, I think probably most listeners, uh, you know, they're they're going to be eager to hear about is what do we do with Christian Watson? So, like, obviously, you know, we we talked about some of that potential for touchdown regression with Jordan Love. Um, are you trusting Christian Watson if we see him back in the lineup this week, who's been you know, kind of a boom bust guy, but, you know, was, was projected as this team's overall, you know, alpha wide receiver, Mm -hmm. not practicing Thursday. So like if he does play, you probably expect that he's going to be less than less than a hundred percent. I think I'm just kind of out on all these wide receivers. How about you? Yep. I'm feeling the same way with this group here. I think Watson, I think there's a chance that when, if he does play, I feel like he will, it probably eased in a little bit, uh, not an an immediate full workload for him right away. I think in week one, especially having missed two weeks already um, that that's a bit concerning. So I don't think we get the full workload from him. Um, I think he's still going to see like a high target rate when he's on the field. I just don't know how, often he's going to be on the field, right? And that part of it is where I I struggle to kind of start a guy like that. We've been sitting him the past two weeks. We could probably continue to put in whoever else it was that was in our lineup uh, here in week three. Because like you said, Saints, they're not an easy matchup either, right? So top 10 uh, in coverage grade as are are the Packers. So both sides, it it makes it a little bit tough to trust uh, any of the fantasy weapons here. Yeah, not a lot of sexy matchups. You know Mm -hmm. what? I think we should move into like the sexiest fantasy matchup of the week because we started off here with two duds, like Giants, Niners, uh, Saints, Packers, Chargers, Vikings, baby. This is the game of the week. And I want everybody on both sides of the ball in my fantasy lineups. Am I crazy? No, no. I I was looking at the uh, the over unders today on on DraftKings, and yeah, this is by far the highest over under uh, line of the week, and I I think we're expecting a shootout here. Um, so I'm a hundred percent with you. I think we start we're starting the the fantasy options on on both sides for sure kirk cousins has been the qb1 this season two top five finishes to open the year has been pretty crazy and another positive matchup here again the coverage uh, grade for the chargers team unit is is third worst in the league just it's going to be a shootout um yeah you definitely have to start all of these guys at this point because it's just too good of a matchup but i mean the bigger news coming into this one too is that Cam Akers has been traded to the Minnesota Vikings for basically like a bag of hockey pucks, I guess, um, after it was pretty clear that Sean McVay and company uh, hate him. So, Kate, (laughs) it's a pretty good matchup again, even for the Vikings run game. So even though they now have like two relatively ineffective backs so far this season, are you rolling with with any of these Minnesota running backs heading into this week? I like Alexander Madison still. I know like folks are going to be totally turned off by Alexander Madison, given the addition of acres. Now this was on a very short week. Um, You know, there is a a connection there between acres and the coaching staff. So they say the the verbiage of the offense is relatively similar there given their history. So like the adjustment for acres should be a little bit easier, but 
I still think that this is Alexander Madison's backfield. I, I feel like this was a, you know, a solid depth move. If you're going to shoot your shot, right. If the Rams are are totally done with acres, which they were, um, you know, they, they got a, an interesting and I think high upside backup running back. Uh, if that is the case, Alexander Madison, um, you know, even though was disappointing in week one and, and has been inefficient so far this season, um, you know, he's been playing the bulk of offensive snaps. Like he has been far and away. This team's RB one, um, haven't seen nearly as much involvement from Ty Chandler as you might've expected based on the inefficiencies for Alexander Madison. Um, you know, especially in this get matchup here, where there might be some opportunities in the end zone for both of these offenses. I'll trust the running back who's, who's been in the mix here and has gotten more work with this offense, at least recently. Yeah, I'm with you again. I mean, look, I I think Alexander Madison, we still roll with him this week. I feel pretty good about it. It's a good matchup to the Chargers defensive line ranks 30th in run defense grades so far this season. Um, The Chargers, uh, yeah, they, their defensive line, they've allowed, they've, I think they've totaled just one tackle at or behind the line of scrimmage so far this season. Average depth of tackle at 2.94, so that's eighth worst in the league. Um, so I like the matchup here, and I'm with you. I think this is kind of like, if not like the the strike three game, it's, it's one that really Alexander Madison should thrive in, right? Like where we want to see it. We haven't really seen much for the first two games. So it's this third chance that we're giving him here to kind of show us something and, and be productive. And I think he'll have a chance to do that. I think that usage still remains fairly similar. I don't think Cam Akers is coming in and being the RB one there in Minnesota. That's just the way I feel. I know there's the connection, like you said, with Kevin O'Connell, but I, I still, I I'm still, I'm still trusting Alexander Madison for, for another week here until we see otherwise. Yeah. I, I think, like if you drafted Alexander Madison and you're not comfortable starting him here in this matchup, then you could probably drop him at this yeah. point. Cause like, <laughs> this is going to be, I think the last chance you really have to, to see him work as, as a true, you know, workhorse and and get the bulk of the carries here. Um, you know, Jordan Addison, love, 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 you know, his ability so far, like hasn't been playing, uh, you know, as much as, as Justin Jefferson, like he, he's been kind of slowly worked into the mix here in this offense, but has been super efficient to this point. So I think he's a great start. I think this, this charger secondary is going to give up uh, plenty, especially if they are busy covering Justin Jefferson, which they should be. Um, obviously he's a handful. I think that's going to give Addison some, some more room to make plays. You're obviously starting TJ Hawkinson. Um, on the charger side of the ball, any, uh, anybody stand out as a, a particular player? You going back to the well with Josh Kelly, who, you yeah. know, we probably spent a, a decent chunk of fab, right? Especially if you are an Austin Eckler manager trying to fill that hole and then comes in and he gets Tennessee tightened and uh, that, that didn't, that didn't work out. Um, can you trust him back in your lineups again against this defense that I, I think is a plus matchup? Um, I don't know how much they'll necessarily be running the ball if we do get mm-hmm. to uh, surpass that point total of 54 points on the week uh, where it's it's set right now. Um, what are we thinking about Joshua Kelly? 
Yeah, so this is another one. I think I'm playing him. I know he, he was the RB, I guess, 51 or something like that last week, uh, even though he was RB 12 with Austin Eckler in the lineup in week one. Uh, go figure. But yeah, like, like you had mentioned, you didn't like the Titans matchup last week as well. So the Vikings won. I feel a little bit better about it. even if they're not running the ball a lot. Like you said, I think there's going to be opportunity in the red zone near the goal line for this offense to punch the ball in Minnesota ranks 31st in run defense uh, grade so far this season. Um, they've allowed the fourth most rushing yards on the year as well. Chargers a, a bit above average in run blocking grade for their offensive line, but it's more the matchup here against Minnesota more than anything. And this potentially being one of those high scoring games, I think there's opportunity for maybe Kelly to punch one in and still be effective on the ground when they do run the ball. So I think I'm starting him. I think I'm starting him where, where I have him. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually comfortable with that. I, like I said uh, last week, that was not a matchup that I'm going to be targeting at any point during the season barring you know some some drastic change to that that run defense just you know it, suffocating stifling for opposing running backs not a situation that uh you know you even necessarily want to play your workhorses in uh obviously you always start your studs but if you're starting a running back against the Tennessee Titans chances are you're going to see a dip in production and you're not going to be happy yeah, and it was a big dip last week. So mm -hmm. uh, hopefully uh, something to, to kind of monitor going forward. And and we know to not trust that uh, run game against the Titans right now. Um, but yeah, speaking of other strong run defense teams, um, the New, New York Jets and the New England Patriots are, are the next game on the list here. And the Patriots offensive line is another one. They rank 31st in run blocking grade so far this season, where the Jets defensive line is the second highest run defense grade for the year. Um, they've been among the Jets that is have been among the top six units in defensive run stops and um, tackles at or behind the line of scrimmage. I think it could potentially be a tougher matchup for Ramondre Stevenson here against uh, the Jets. So little bit concerned about him. He is averaging exactly 0, 0.0 yards per carry uh, when contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage, which ranks 41st among 47 qualifying running backs. So could be a matchup to avoid for Ramondre Stevenson or at least temper expectations. What do you think? Yeah, I, I honestly, this is not a game that I'm looking to necessarily target on, on either side of the ball. Once again, one of those, you know, matchups you're going to project to be um, on the lower side in terms of, of total offensive scoring and production. Um, Ramondre Stevenson, you know, I, I think the one thing you can probably hold on to maybe in a full PPR form format is some of that usage that, that you've seen in the receiving game. But, you know, I, I think again, this is just one of those, those matchups, like you're not starting Mac Jones. Um, you're not starting, really any of the the wide receivers now the one player to consider i think is hunter henry right yeah. now ranked as the the tight end two in ppr formats i think like you're not going to want to target this jet secondary you're not going to want to target them on the outside but i do think if there's any any sort of like sliver of liability here it, it might be over the middle um for Hunter Henry to make a little yeah. bit of noise. And and we've already seen back-to-back -back weeks with, with receiving touchdowns. Um, I, I think this could be a, a spot where maybe, you know, Billy, Billy Belichick gets, you know, Hunter Henry all involved in this game plan and, uh, you know, just kind of force feeds him throughout, throughout the whole matchup. And, and we're going to enjoy it. I, I think so. I don't know. 
I like it. I like it. Yeah. And um, oh man, I'm just laughing at Billy Belichick. I, I want like a reporter <laughs> post game to call him Billy, like after a loss or something like that and see how it goes. But <laughs> If looks could kill, I like, oh. I don't know. Um, was it last week I, for anybody who, who didn't see this, this amazing moment of Bill Belichick, one of my favorite Bill Belichick moments in history, even though it was so simple, he threw a challenge flag and he threw it oh, with shit. the most sass and, 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 you know, swagger that I've ever (laughs) literal disgust on his face. He was like, how dare you get this call wrong? And (laughs) just the way that he tossed, it was like dismissive of the red flag. Like he had no, no respect for the NFL. He's like, he was, he was absolutely disgusted. And it was one of my favorite Bill Belichick moments of all time. So I'm going to take that as a sign uh, in, in that sass and that, that, you know, determination that he had throwing that red flag. I want to see him have the same determination in uh, heavily targeting Hunter Henry in the game. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm with you. It was very nice to see uh, Hunter Henry significantly outproduce Kyle Pitts, which you helped convince me of last week and hopefully other uh, fantasy managers listen to that one. So yeah, I'm I'm in on Hunter Henry. I'll start him again. 91% route participation last week. So you love that. Patriots have been passing a ton as well, which helps. So like you said, tight end two on the year. It's hard to argue him uh, at this point. It's, it's you know, not the most attractive name out there to start at, at tight end, but the usage is there. The targets are there. I think we just keep rolling with uh, with Hunter Henry for now. So how about on the Jets side of things? Um, Brees Hall had made a comment post game last week about uh, why they lost only getting four carries about something like that. So is it possible? that the Jets give us some hope and something to be positive about for this offense and, and give the squeaky wheel game for Brees Hall here in week three. Maybe he came out with uh, some little, little speaking of sass, uh, Brees Hall came out with a little bit of sass subtweeting, yeah. you know, his coaching staff with or sub Xing, whatever we're going to call it these, these days with four football emojis, one, which represents each of the four carries he had in week two. Yes. I think like there is no reason to continue feeding Davin cook, right? Like no. uh, as I, I can't remember who said it on Twitter, Davin cook looks cooked. Uh, it, he just, he does. He doesn't look nearly as explosive feed Brees hall. And what I think is really interesting, like despite the fact that this is like the Patriots defense, we actually saw Raheem Mostert have a fantastic mm-hmm. game against the Patriots defense they very much did not look like the the Patriots defense we're used to seeing against the run. Um, Raheem Mostert last week, 18 carries, 121 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Um, like that was a point of liability for the Patriots last week. I'm sure Bill Belichick is going to be in the lab trying to, to figure out what exactly went wrong there. But, you know, Brees Hall, again, with that speed, like, it, you know, kind of similar to, to the speed of Raheem Mostert, except he's, um, you know, coming off a torn ACL, which is even crazier. I think this could be an opportunity for Brees Hall to get a good amount of work. And I wouldn't be surprised if he continues breaking off these long runs. Yeah, I'd love to see it. I I just hope they give him the ball more because he's definitely, definitely been more explosive coming off an ACL tear than than Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook just 2.4 yards per carry so far this season, not getting it done. Um, Speaking of not getting it done, Zach Wilson... This is yeah. I what mean, a transition! It, it was good, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you if we're talking about yeah, like Bill Belichick potentially game planning for this one, I mean, all he really has to do is take away Garrett Wilson, um, who I don't think 
we're trusting inside the top 24 wide receivers at this point. It's just hard to do. Steve Palazzolo had a great tweet as well. Um, Zach Wilson's career versus the Patriots, 50.9% completion rate, 6.3 yards per attempt, just two touchdowns, seven interceptions, and a 35.8 PFF passing grade. So um, not great for Zach Wilson, uh, as, as, as history will tell us against the Patriots. So I, it's so depressing because Garrett Wilson, I loved him coming into the season, but it's so hard to start him at this point. I don't know. Do you feel any better about Garrett Wilson this week? No, no, yeah, I no, think so. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, it, like if anything, I expect this to get progressively worse throughout the season. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I no, yeah. No. Yep. Uh, no, I'm with you. I think we just hold out hope that Brees Hall uh, gives us the the positivity that we're looking for in this one. But yeah, not uh, not overly excited until we actually see them give him the ball. So let's go to a team that does have a few more exciting options um, a little bit. The Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars is the next game up. And the player that I'm referencing most specifically is tank Dell. Um, Noah Brown is on IR, but tank Dell emerged last week and looked great out there. Seven catches for 72 yards and a touchdown. Um, this role, I think even right now, the, what he had in week two has potential to even grow here. Um, and maybe, maybe finish the season as the Texans wide receiver one. What do you think? How, how do you feel about tank Dell and the Texans passing offense? I love Tank Dell. Now, it, like in terms of efficiency, you're not going to be excited about the efficiency here. But through two weeks, CJ Stroud ranks third among NFL quarterbacks in overall pass attempts, leads the league with 109 dropbacks in that span. Like, not an ideal situation to put your rookie quarterback in. Like, they've got they've got to fix some things on the back end. They've got to be able to establish the run. But Tank Dell, it, the jump he took in week one to week two. Um, you saw an increase, uh, you know, route participation rate, um, only ran 25 routes in week one up to 45 in week two. Uh, you just, you love to see all of that. Um, Nico Collins will probably, uh, stick around here as a top target, but I do think, you know, this tank Dell is, is just one of these guys that's too talented, um, in terms of his ability to execute route running and, and, you know, generate space that they're going to scheme uh, to figure out ways to get the ball in tank Dell's hands. And he might be this one, one bright spot in what is apparently for now a pass heavy offense. Yeah, that, that's the thing to love about it, right? They've been so pass heavy um, that there's volume there. And and look, I, the Jaguars defense is a good one. They're, they're third in PFF coverage grade so far as a team. So it's not like an ideal matchup or anything like that. But like you said, that pass heavy offense there creates enough volume there that that should at least make up for it a little bit. And, and hopefully one of these guys can break one. And, and CJ Stroud as well, another potential guy to to trust in lineups just again because of the volume even though it's not an amazing uh matchup i don't mind uh cj stroud um this week but yeah you mentioned running the ball i mean damian pierce even without mike boone last week uh seeding the passing down work to devin singletary and dare ogan dare ogan wally not great for a team that is passing so much it just leaves little meat on the bone for damian pierce to add much to his production ceiling so He's been RB 43 in PPR and back-to-back weeks. Not great. How are you feeling about Damian Pierce against uh, Jacksonville? Just wrote Damian Pierce up in my weekly time to panic or antic article. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, spoiler alert, he was a panic for me. I'm not <laughs> loving what I'm seeing with Damian Pierce. I really thought this split percentage was going to be much more drastically different. Um, Pierce is still leading the backfield with over 45% of snaps played this season, but Devin Singletary at 29%, Mike Boone, 16%. Um, and the biggest concern of all is in quarters one through three, he has led the team with 55% of snaps, but in the fourth quarter, it's Devin Singletary. We're seeing, um, and Pierce, uh, his participation drops down to uh, 29% of snaps. So you don't love that when they're actually in position to maybe, you know, get him involved as a receiver, as they're playing catch up, that they're taking him off the field. I'm kind of puzzled because I do think he's far and away the most talented running back. And it seemed like, you know, in terms of the the reports coming out of training camp and uh, like, it seemed like there seemed to be a connection with Damian Pierce Mm -hmm. in terms of CJ Stroud and the receiving game. So I just kind of puzzled in general by that, but I don't think we can trust Damian Pierce as uh, you know, an option on a week to week basis with this kind of volatile usage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been disappointing for sure. And especially for a team that isn't running the ball a ton. There's just not a lot there to, to love about Damian Pierce right now heading into week three. So we'll see if that changes at all in the weeks ahead. But yeah, for now, it's hard to it's it's probably best to leave him on the benches. But on the Jacksonville side of things, um, it could be a nice bounce back spot for Calvin Ridley this week. He was, I know, wide receiver 80 last week uh, in week two there. So, but the Texans have allowed more offensive success uh, so far this season, at least when they're in man coverage. They rank 27th in yards allowed per coverage snap, um, and they rank 12th in that regard when in zone coverage. So they do play an even amount of, of uh, man and zone. So there's potential here for Calvin Ridley to kind of have a big bounce back game. How do you feel about um, the Jaguars passing offense? And I guess Calvin Ridley specifically for week three. I'm not too scared. So the I think the biggest question is, you know, with the success that teams are are able to establish against this Texans run defense, how much are they going to pass? How much is the mm. volume going to be there? Um, you know, I, I think it's a fine matchup. It's not a great matchup, but again, I believe in the talent of Calvin Ridley above anything else um, in terms of his production. Uh, Derek Stingley, I believe, is, is out yep. with a hamstring. Um, I, I think he's like officially been declared out. So that's going to be good news, um, for, for this, you know, targeting that secondary there. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind the, the matchups here. My biggest question will just kind of be regarding volume. Um, you know, I love Travis Etienne this week. I have mm-hmm. him ranked as, uh, I believe at, at RB four heading into this week. I think there's, there's some really nice potential that, that they're going to rack up some yardage, um, but I mean, Calvin Ridley, you got to start your studs, man. And yeah. he, he is an absolute stud and, you know, I, I just don't, I don't sit my studs. I can't, can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't panic after one week, uh, especially early in the season. Right. So yeah, you're starting Calvin Ridley pretty much no matter what the, the other side is like, like you mentioned. Yeah. ETN really nice um, matchup this week. He didn't get any carries from the goal line last week, but he is getting a little bit more snaps in that situation. So that's been nice to see um, compared to tanks Bigsby. I do wonder if they do run the ball near the goal line, if they'll, 
put Bigsby in and that he will get those carries, or if this really means that ETN will get the goal line carries um, just by being out there. So that's something I think to watch for in this game. And and the Texans have been an above average matchup matchup for rushing yards, and they've allowed the most rushing touchdowns uh, in the league so far. So hard not to love uh, ETN this week. Yeah, absolutely love him. And and you mentioned Tank Bigsby, kind of interesting. Didn't get a, a single carry last week against mm-hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, but did actually play some snaps. Saw 19% of offensive snaps, uh, which was only two fewer snaps than he actually saw in week one when he got seven right. carries. So box score a little bit deceiving there. At, at least he was on the field. Um, again, didn't get those carries, but you do wonder if, if this team, uh, you know, like, Imagine they get ahead. Imagine this is kind of like a, a steamroll offense over this Houston Texans defense. Um, they have pulled their starters in the past. So, mm-hmm. you know, does that, that, you know, the, the sheer potential of that happening, any chance you're taking a shot on, on tank Bigsby in any season long leagues outside of DFS. I do think he's a very interesting play in DFS in case they do get up and pull their starters. Um, I, I think Tank Bigsby could see a decent amount of work there. If so, eh, anything? It- I mean, I, there's a few deeper leagues where I actually do have him um, in my starting lineup at the moment, but it's it's deeper leagues. It's not, you know, um, your typical fantasy league. So it's it becomes a little bit harder to trust him. But I do like the, like you said, the matchup, the potential for that game script where he can kind of work in. So. I feel okay about um, starting him if I have to, even though last week was kind of was obviously a dud with zero points, but he's like you said, he's still on the field. I think there's still that potential that he could be the goal line that guy there if they choose to run the ball um, at that point of the field. So I, I feel fine about tanks tank Bigsby, I guess is a way of saying it. I I think as a, like a second or third flex option, um, he could potentially find his way into my starting lineup for sure. I like that. Um, you know, we, we, uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I don't know. I, okay. I'm just kind of curious. I like yeah. tank Bigsby and I love so Travis Etienne. And, um, I, yeah, I'm not brave enough to actually start him in any of my season long leagues. I've decided, um, as we were just talking, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely going to get him into some sort of DFS lineup just to scratch the itch. Cause I do have an itch there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then look, it's mostly deeper leagues, but it's still, I, I still feel like pretty okay. I, I'm not panicked after last week, basically, is, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Fair. All right. Let's go to the uh, Atlanta Falcons and the Detroit Lions. Um, we got a bit of a triple threat match here of Bijan Robinson versus Jameer Gibbs versus the opportunity to touch the ball. Um, Robinson at least still getting decent work because the Falcons um, run so much and he's dominating the receiving down work. But man, if he starts to dominate the carries as well, he's already RB3 on the year. How long before he's the overall RB1, I guess, is the question here. Not long. Uh, you start Bijan Robinson regardless of matchup, and there's there's no questions. Um, you know where there is questions though in this Falcons offense, Kyle Pitts. What do we oh. do with Kyle Pitts? I I genuinely like, put him on the trade block. See if you can get mm-hmm. anything for him at this point, because I I think I genuinely believe he's droppable at this point, and that breaks my heart to say, because the talent is so, 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 you know, anytime he touches the ball, that, that talent is 
tangible. Like we, we know exactly what he can be. We know his upside, but you know, there is a, I think a huge liability to have Kylo Pitts on your team, just based on the fact that, you know, the draft capital kind of eggs you to start him. And, and it makes it very hard to uh, justify, you know, playing the waiver wire and, and, you know, playing to certain matchups, you kind of get stuck in, in the pits with Kyle Pitts. And I don't want to be in the pits with Kyle Pitts. <laughs> I want to be outside of the pit with, um, you know, literally any other tight end in the world at this point, <laughs> that's not coached by Arthur Smith. Yeah. It, it's super frustrating. I, I'm with you. I, I'm not starting him in any way in, in redraft leagues at this point. I mean, 66% of the offensive snaps so far this year, which is lower somehow than even the previous two years did have 90% route participation participation last week, which is nice and all, but just not seeing the targets coming his way on routes as well. So I think he did get an end zone target last week, but Desmond Ritter too, just hasn't been able to get him the ball. So just super, super hard to trust Kyle Pitts. And, and yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, for dynasty, it, it's, he was hard to come by for dynasty leagues when he, especially as a rookie. Um, but he's still kind of been, I don't know. I, I, I'm still holding him in dynasty in hopes that, you know, something happens, but at redraft, I'm just not touching him anymore. I'm, I'm trying to move on, find better options, whether it's Sam Laporta or, or Hunter Henry or whoever. Um, I, I'd rather put those guys in at this point. That's so heartbreaking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you know what tight end has outscored Kyle Pitts <laughs> in both week one and week two. Man. There's a lot of them, but yeah, there's, there's one a- name in particular. <laughs> There's one name in particular that I have to bring up because it broke my brain. Colts tight end Kylan Granson has outscored Kyle Pitts in both weeks one and week two. That is not okay. Logan Thomas has outscored. Like there's a lot of players that have outscored, you know, Kyle Pitts in in the first two weeks, but that those names are are pure pain, breaking my brain. Um, Even Durham Smythe, like for the dolphins has outscored Kyle Pitts in each of the first two weeks. You can't start him. And, you know, I do think that playing the matchups is probably going to win you more weeks than Kyle Pitts will at Mm -hmm. at this point. Cause for as many weeks as he wins you, he's probably going to lose you twice as many. No. Yeah. You're right. He absolutely is. And I I just, it's just super frustrating. I don't understand why spend the draft capital to get him inside the top 10 to basically not utilize him. Right. So it doesn't make any sense. Hopefully they trade him or something. Um, And Kylan Granson, uh, you just made me think of Kylan Granson. Did you see his uh, social media post about him scoring his first touchdown? That was maybe my favorite social media post of the year. That was amazing. The newborn photo shoot with his first NFL football um, touchdown yes. uh, was amazing. Uh, that I need more of that from yeah. everybody in the NFL, like Kylan Granson. The even got his wife in on on some of these photos. Had the yeah. his her his first football uh, touchdown catch wrapped in a little blanket, and and it, it was moving. It was beautiful. It was, it really was. It, and was, it makes yeah. me want to root for more. Cause like, I want to see more photo shoots with Kylan Granson and, and his baby footballs. Like yes. if every time he had a touchdown, we got a photo so shoot. I want like a Tight game where he has one. two touchdowns and then does like a twins photo shoot yes. or something like that. Yeah. That's what yes. we need. We, so we're rooting for Kylan Granson over Kyle Pitts at this <laughs> point. <laughs> Uh, but I, yeah. I don't think that's a bad play, honestly, yeah. at, at this point. But yeah, Kylan Granson uh, 
tight end. He is a tight end one technically on this season. So I'm, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, anybody else on Atlanta that you're interested in? I mean, Drake London, any interest there? He's fine. I, you know, yeah. you, you like to see him bounce back in week two, had the touchdown. That's great. Um, but I mean, generally speaking, I think this is just going to be a very volatile offense that, you know, outside of that run game, you're not going to be able to trust any of these guys on a week to week basis. It pains me to say that as somebody who is a huge believer in Drake London, he was my wide receiver one in that draft class. Uh, Love his, his potential so much, especially as an end zone threat with his size and um, you know, his athleticism, especially in comparison to that size. But uh, you don't like the fact that like, you know, Mac Hollins is the leading receiver for yeah. the Atlanta Falcons right now. No, thank you. Yeah. Another, just a frustrating group all, all together. Um, but let's look at the lions quickly here. Cause um, maybe an absurd question, but Jameer Gibbs or Craig Reynolds is the question. Ah. That's <laughs> I that, couldn't imagine. It's a good like, question. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's also like if you would have asked me in the offseason, David Montgomery's now hurt. Are you ready to move Jameer Gibbs into the top 10 of running backs? Or are you worried about Craig Reynolds, which is the question basically that we're asking here um, heading into week three? How are you feeling about this backfield? I do think like I, I uh, have an article coming out tomorrow, actually wrote up Craig Reynolds as a potential pickup for those of of those fantasy managers who need mm-hmm. a last minute ad in a pinch, um, you know, to the dismay of, of Jameer Gibbs managers, we've actually seen a lot of work for David Montgomery. Yeah. And you know what? Once we saw David Montgomery leave the game, Reynolds and Gibbs actually didn't really have a, a very significant difference in terms of their snap share. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reynolds had had 10 snaps after Montgomery's departure. Gibbs saw 13 uh, you saw Craig Reynolds get hundred percent of carries on first and second down through the four, uh, fourth quarter and overtime. I would not be at all surprised to see Reynolds get 12, 15 carries uh, or touches in this game. And, you know, again, you, you love the upside and you're going to be screaming at your TV the entire time, wondering why they're not getting Jameer Gibbs more involved, but you know, there seems to be some hesitancy there to get him involved on the ground. I don't know if it's because of a smaller frame, you know, he's been getting lots of usage as a receiver, uh, you know, maybe because of that smaller frame, they feel more comfortable, you know, running the the ball with some, some bigger guys, but um, ugh, I, yeah. I actually like, I, I don't think Craig Reynolds is the worst option in the world. <laughs> No, it's I don't think it is either. And and we talked about this in the recap episode with Nate as well. This is just a team that is unwilling to deviate from their offensive scheme, right? They like their early down guys, they like their pass down guys. They it doesn't matter who the personnel is, that's the way that they're kind of deploying these guys. So as much as we prefer the talent of Jameer Gibbs way much more than than Craig Reynolds the lions don't really see it that way. They have specific roles for these guys and that's the way that they're kind of deploying them. So um, it is concerning for Jameer Gibbs upside, obviously, but yeah, Craig Reynolds could still be a nice play. We like David Montgomery last week as well. And, and it worked out because of the, the, the volume that he got until he got hurt, obviously. So um, yeah, I think Craig Reynolds could be a fine play here as well. Um, as well as Jer- Jared Goff too, uh, who I think is, is a decent play in, uh, in this matchup against the Falcons as well. But um yeah, Love Jared Goff, uh, yeah. especially at home here. I think he's mm-hmm. one of the best 
uh, you know, plays. If he is on your waiver wire, I think you scoop him up. I think he's got top six upside this week. Um, you know, one of the the best quarterbacks in the league when he's playing at mm-hmm. home. And I, I think that's only going to continue. Uh, reason I'm I'm also kind of interested in Josh Reynolds this week. Um, had Amonra St. Brown miss practice on Wednesday. He's back on Thursday, but um, listed with a toe injury. So like, keep an eye on that. I think he should be fine for Sunday, but in any case where he's limited, like we've actually seen Josh Reynolds be pretty productive in this offense with Jared Goff, their home, like things, things could get crazy with this lion's offense this week. And I think all of them are kind of decent plays, um, especially in a DFS setting, but you know, particularly if you are in, you know, some sort of circumstance where your starting assets are injured. Um, I, I think both of these guys are are both Reynolds's great, great subs <laughs> yeah. for your fantasy lineups. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Start the Reynolds brothers if you can. And uh, we'll, <laughs> yeah, I like the passing offense here for Detroit. Absolutely. Um, it's a good call. So uh, let's look at the uh, Indianapolis Colts and the Baltimore Ravens. I, the, one of the main things here, Anthony Richardson is, I believe, still in concussion protocol. Uh, Gardner Minshew has proven that he's a very capable backup, so he can help keep those receiving options like a Michael Pittman afloat at least. But more importantly, we did get Zach Moss RB1 season. Oh. Kate, how are you feeling uh, <laughs> about this after week two? I'm so proud. Um, you know, I, I just want to thank my my family for all their support. Um, thank all my Twitter followers for their support. Yeah, it's been a it's been a rocky journey with Zach Moss, but you know, I don't uh, you know think this is necessarily the the best matchup in the world for him. But guess what? Uh, does not matter uh, because there is no competition apparently in this backfield for carries. Zach Moss played all but one offensive snap in week three or week two. That just shows you like how big this team and this coaching staff thinks the the tear break is between Zach Moss and Deion Jackson literally did not have another running back take a single snap in this game. It's Zach Moss season um, might not be the, you know, as efficient as we saw in week two average 4.9 yards per attempt. Saw some work as a receiver, which you love to see. Um, again, might not be as efficient against the Ravens, but in terms of a volume-based play, like I, I think you're looking at an RB2, uh, you know, any at any given point until we see the return, uh, if we do see the return of Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. And who needs Jonathan Taylor at this point? Because yeah, Dom- yeah. Zach Moss has been dominant uh, in the one game that we saw him. So I like him this week as well. I think, you know, if you're dealing with injuries at the running back position, Zach Moss can absolutely be somebody that you plug into your lineup and feel comfortable about, even though, it, like you said, not the best matchup, but the volume again is there. And that's what we care about more than anything. So hopefully that leads to more fantasy production. Um, looking at the Ravens here, Odell Beckham is questionable with an ankle injury. I look, it, it's super annoying that when I search for Odell Beckham, the first thing that comes up is that he's maybe dating Kim Kardashian. I know. Which, Come on. Like, why would I care about that over his ankle internet? Come on. Um, but anyways, if Odell Beckham is out, we could see a potentially larger role for Rashad Bateman. Um, but more importantly, the very legit 
Zay Flowers um, is also should be heavily involved this week. Tied with Mark Andrews for the team lead in target rate so far, minimum 25 routes at 24.2%. And this is like the matchup to get those wide receivers out there again against the Colts secondary. Yeah, you love, love, love this matchup against the Colts secondary. Um, I I think this is one of my favorite plays of the week. Uh, I believe I have Zay Flowers as my wide receiver 20 on the week. Would not be surprised at all if he he out you know outperformed that at this point. He is, I think, going to function as this team's wide receiver one, and you know did see a little bit of that dip in target share with the return of Mark Andrews. But again, you have the injury to Odell Beckham Jr. I you know I, I think this is a great spot for Zay Flowers, who's to this point looked absolutely incredible um, and very dynamic in this offense. I I think this is. You know, if free for all, this is the matchup that you're targeting for your wide receivers all year long. Um, Mar Jackson, my QB one on the week. I, like I am all in on this Baltimore Ravens offense. Um, you know, interestingly, Justin Justice Hill uh, it went down mm-hmm. with an in, or is down with an injury, um, which puts Gus Edwards kind of in an interesting spot as a, a potential flex play if he's still available on your waiver wire. Um, you know, there's a, a toe injury. So like, don't love the, mm-hmm. I never like a toe injury. I never yeah. like a toe injury. Cause you know, that just limits the, you know, all of that burst and, you know, Gus Edwards is a guy that we've seen this Ravens offense go to time and time again. And guess what? He always, he always he performs. He does it. Yep. Yeah, he did it last week, right? He punched in a touchdown as well. And I know the team signed Kenyon Drake too. So if, if Justice Hill is out, I'm sure they'll find a way to maybe get Justice or uh, Kenyon Drake involved or, or whatever. But yeah, I'm not too concerned about it. I don't mind um, Gus Edwards as, as a play if Justice Hill is out as well. So um, anything else from this game really that, that stands out to you? I do like the Lamar Jackson uh, QB1 call as well. It's nice. Might, might be a little, might be a little spicy. Um, you know, I think, Anthony Richardson, obviously, like you mentioned in the concussion protocol, if mm-hmm. he plays, you play Anthony Richardson yeah. um, in case that needs to be said. But yeah, I think we kind of know what to expect from this matchup in general. Nice. All right. Let's go to the Denver Broncos at the Miami Dolphins. Um, what, what do you what do you like about this one? I, it's a decent matchup for Javante Williams uh, against Miami. So how, how are you feeling about that Broncos backfield after two weeks? Because it has been a bit of a split there for um, overall snaps. It's been a bit of a split. You know, I, I didn't like the matchup this week. I do like it a bit more against this Miami Dolphins team. And, you know, I, I still think that, you know, even though I don't think this passing offense is as big a disaster as we saw in 2022, there's still some issues here that they need to work out. And what better way to work through some of those issues or, or you know, crutch yourself as you work through some of these issues than by feeding into the run game. And, you know, again, did not like the matchup last week. I kind of projected Javante Williams to have a down week and and he did, but I think this could be an interesting spot, uh, you know, for, for him to have a, a nice bounce back game. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't mind this matchup at all. And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, we'll get a, another couple of deep bombs down the field and maybe we'll get some PI calls who knows, um, but this is, this is, I think a good spot for Javante Williams played 45% of offensive snaps, uh, in each of the last two weeks, um, had 14 touches last week, even though it was uh, again, a, a sort of a down matchup. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mind Javante Williams this week. Uh, and you know, I, I think 
we're probably still in that sort of like warm up phase for Javante Williams as mm-hmm. you know he continues to get comfortable and and you know really starts to trust that knee and and the ability to sustain volume under that knee um yeah that that's kind of where i'm at i'm i'm feeling okay but yeah Samaj P Ryan um you know kind of an, an interesting wrinkle and you right. know i'm i'm curious to hear your thoughts he's had four targets in each of the last two weeks like not overly involved as a runner, just nine rush attempts in that span, but um, has played, you know, a fair chunk of the snaps, 50% of offensive snaps last week. Um, any any sort of thoughts on, are we going to continue to see this this shift towards Javante Williams? Or are you worried that this is actually going to be a season-long split kind of right down the middle? I don't think it'll be a season long split. I do believe that Javante Williams eventually emerges there as kind of the clear back. And and we kind of saw it a little bit last week where where he dominated the carries at least, right? 12 to one over P Ryan, which I think was a really great sign. Even though P Ryan still handled the majority of the passing down work, I think there's enough there for Williams and that he's playing enough snaps that he should still like sporadically get targets throughout a game. It just might not be as consistent, I guess, as P Ryan right now, but I, I'm with you. I, I love the matchup. I think Williams obviously has the talent. Miami's allowed the fifth most rushing yards so far this year, second most uh, rushing yards before contact, sixth most sixth most rushing, rushing yards after contact, and they've tied for the third most rushing touchdowns allowed this season. So all of those things point towards Javante Williams more than Samaj P. Ryan for this week. Um, I know Williams, he still has the lone carry in goal to go situations this year as well. Even though P Ryan is getting more snaps there, they've all been passing downs. So want to see them run the ball there more often. And if that means more work for Williams near the goal line as well, that's just another positive for him. But yeah, I, I, I got to believe that Javante Williams eventually starts to get more involved in the passing down work as he gets healthier or as they feel more comfortable with him coming off that injury too. So I do like Javante Williams this week and uh, like him a lot for the rest of the season too. I like it. This might be a good like trade window. Uh, if you do also mm-hmm. like Javante Williams and, you know, you believe this offense can, you know, continue with some of that offensive production, um, you know, Javante Williams, it, if, you know, one of your league mates is concerned about the usage through two games this far, this could be your opportunity to pounce. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And Look, it's not, it's a great matchup for the run game. Not ideal for the Denver passing offense though. So Miami does rank seventh in coverage grade so far this year. I know we love Marvin Mims overall, but I think it's important to keep in mind. He only ran six routes in week two um, to post that wide receiver 17 uh, finish. So not trustworthy usage at all there for those that did pick him up off waiver wires and are tempted to start him hoping for another one of those big hundred plus yard games. Uh, It's a little bit hard to bank on that, especially on six routes. So hopefully the usage increases, but it's only hope at this point. I don't think we're putting him in starting lineups. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah. And then the other thing with Miami's offense too, because this is pretty much a straightforward offense as well. But the only other thing that stands out is Jalen Waddle is in concussion protocol. Um, he wasn't participating in practice today, but he was seen stretching on the field. So progressing, I guess, but there's still no real sign that he's going to, if he's going to play or not. So is there another wide receiver on this team other than Tyree Kill and, and Jalen Waddle that you would be interested in for this passing offense? River Craigcraft or Braxton Barrios, any of those guys? Nah. Nah. Okay. 
<laughs> I, yeah, it's nah. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to trust these guys, and they're not they're not going to step into the Jalen Waddle role either, right? Even though there's I think volume in this Miami passing offense, um, it's not I don't think consistent enough snaps for either one of those guys to be playing them outside of like the deepest of leagues, really. I, I totally agree. All right. Let's go on to a uh, ad here from our friends at DraftKings. Uh, we're back with another week of football with DraftKings Sportsbook is helping us uh, in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with the code PFF. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code PFF. PFF gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort licensed partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles uh, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario see DraftKings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligible and deposit restrictions apply. All right, uh, let's go to the Tennessee Titans um, against the Cleveland Browns. The Titans offensive line has allowed a pretty decent pressure rate so far this year, 32%, which ranks as the eighth highest in the league. Um, they've also allowed the second highest knockdown rate at 14 and percent. So that's basically sacks and QB hits allowed per pass rush snap faced. And they're facing off against a Browns defensive line that has earned the third highest pass rush grade so far this season. They've generated a pressure in fewer than 2.5 seconds on 34.8% of their pass rush snaps, which is also the third best mark in the league. Ryan Tannehill has thrown two interceptions, two turnover worthy plays with no touchdowns or big time throws when pressured this season. As a result, Tannehill has thrown for just 81 passing yards on those pressured dropbacks, which accounts for only 18% of his total passing yards this season. DeAndre Hopkins also felt the effects of this. He's only caught four passes for 44 yards on pressure dropbacks. No other Titans receiver has more than one reception or 20 receiving yards on pressure dropbacks this season. Kate, with all of that said, do you trust the Titans passing offense this week? No, no, thank you. I (laughs) appreciate you asking, but I want nothing to do with anybody on either side of this ball, to be totally honest. Um, have Derrick Henry even who like obviously you don't sit Derrick Henry if he is playing but um dealing with a toe injury for the second straight day he did not practice mm. um so uh according to Teron Davenport um no sign of DeAndre Hopkins no sign of Derrick Henry no sign of Peter Skaronsky like this is just a Titans are a disaster I'm not trusting a single player I think in my fantasy lineups just given this matchup going to be, I think, a really, really ugly game. Um, You know, Derrick Henry, obviously, we don't know his status at the time we're recording this, but if he's not a go, guess what? I'm still not, I'm not starting Tajay Spears. Like, I think this is kind of one of these moments where we're going to try to set, you know, set up for success, uh, you know, as a potential volume play. But I think, you know, Tajay Spears could be a a trap play uh, come, come Sunday. And you know what? Like, Outside of maybe Amari Cooper, I don't really want to start any of the Browns either. Like, 
Jerome Ford, uh, you know, kind of seemed to be stepping up into this RB1 role. Then they signed Kareem Hunt, who is obviously very familiar with the offense, very familiar with the team. Who knows, like, what kind of football shape he is in, how many snaps he's going to be able to take in week one. So, like, I I still think Jerome Ford's probably going to lead the team in carries this week. But against this Tennessee Titans defense, which I keep saying, John, I'm not playing anybody if I can help it against this Titans defense, uh, allowing just 2.6 yards per attempt to opposing running backs so far this season. And their success, you know, against the running back dates back to last year. Like, this is not a good matchup. Um, you know, the the Tennessee Titans, their best point of attack is in the secondary um, allowed, you know, in, in week one and week two, uh, two different receivers, at least 80 or more receiving yards, you know, could be an interesting spot for Amari Cooper. But it's even hard to trust, you know, Deshaun Watson in this offense that hasn't really looked competent in the first two weeks of the season, it, you know, despite the fact that they're one and one. I feel like you wouldn't have guessed it if you just watched them play offense through those two games. This has been, you know, a, a season for the defense for the Cleveland yeah. Browns. Yeah, their defense is legit. And then they're absolutely the bright spot of this team because Deshaun Watson has been incredibly disappointing so far, I would say anyways. I mean, another good tweet here, another Steve Palazzolo banger. Um, <laughs> PFF grade for Deshaun Watson. So this is all numbers with him with the Browns. 57.5 PFF grade, which is 35th out of 40 qualifying quarterbacks. Uh, 54.9 passing grade, which is 36th. His big-time throw rate sits at just 2.1%, which is 32nd turnover worthy play rate 3.6% which is the 11th highest and his sack percentage at 9.7% is the third highest so everything about Deshaun Watson uh is has been not good and it hasn't looked great this season it didn't look great last season there's been really no signs of like significant improvement which i think a lot of people were banking on heading into this year um that that he would get back to form we just haven't seen it yet. So it's really hard to trust this Browns offense. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, yeah. I, again, like that, that one point of attack, you know, I, I think could be through the air, but that's, mm-hmm. that's also kind of banking on, on Deshaun Watson overcoming all of those stats that you right. just mentioned <laughs> and having sort of a miracle bounce back. I, they just seem so out of rhythm, so out of sync. Yeah. I, I just, I, I'm not, not a fan there. Um, not a fan of, of, you know, taking the risk there when I, I don't think the upsides, you know, all that, all that high for these assets, maybe outside of Amari Cooper. Right. Yeah. I think Amari Cooper is kind of the main one. I, I liked Elijah Moore coming into the year, but I just haven't been overly excited about him so far. So yeah, there, there's maybe opportunity there for Jerome Ford this week, but again, it's just the, the, the Titans defense is just going to make things difficult. So, um, probably more like low end RB two at best for, for Jerome Ford. So, uh, let's go to the Buffalo bills and the Washington commanders. Um, I just got the notification. James cook is now questionable. I don't know what's going on there, but, um, a bit of a bummer to see considering that he dominated the snaps last week outside of goal to go situations. But, um, this was one of the reasons we didn't love Javante Williams last week facing this Washington, uh, defensive line. They are very good. Um, 
the good thing, I guess they, they do play with like a fairly light box um, typically. So could potentially be some room there for cook if he can get to the second level. But uh, you know, the bills, their, their offensive line too, they've, they've been 12th in run blocking grade, which isn't bad. So how, how are you feeling about James cook um, heading into this week? Assuming he plays, assuming the questionable thing is nothing, but I, I haven't looked too much into it. Cause I just saw it. I'm not like, again, kind of a, a surprise to me, as you mentioned, haven't looked into this yet, but it already wasn't super high in this matchup. You love, love, love what you saw in week two. And I think you especially loved most of the usage led the team with 18 carries, uh, 125 rushing yards, 6.9 yards per attempt, 28% missed force tackle rate, 4.7 yards after contact per attempt. Like that is good. That is mm-hmm. hashtag good. And the, the, biggest point of contention there again is is that lack of red zone usage uh both murray and harris combined for eight attempts in the red zone cook only saw two um you know the the you know cook didn't even see a a carry inside the five all of those went to murray and harris like that's that's a red flag here but in general i think this is going to be you know a, a very defensive matchup the brown or the bills defense looks great the commander's defense looks great and I think that might be where we see a little bit of a power struggle here. And in order for Cook to sort of produce, uh, you know, regardless of health, he's going to need to break off some of those runs and you're going to need to bank on that. But I don't want to bank on them against the commanders. Right. Yeah, that's uh, it makes it a little bit harder for this matchup. And yeah, I just tried to look it up. It just says undisclosed. So we have no idea uh, why James Cook has mispracticed today, but uh, hopefully it's nothing and and he gets back. But yeah, it's still not the best matchup. And even for the receivers, I mean, obviously, Stefan Diggs, you're not worried about Stefan Diggs, really. But the commanders, they've been a top 10 team in deploying man coverage this year. So far, uh, Gabe Davis has seen a hit to his target rate when he's playing against man, just 10.3% target rate versus 16% in zone. So I did like him a lot last week. It worked out not as into him this week. I think I'd look elsewhere for a potential streamer at wide receiver. So how do you feel about the passing offense for, for Buffalo for this one? Not overly excited. I mean, you start you start your Stefan Diggs, um, and that's kind of where... It ends for me. I'm not I'm not seeking out any any matchups against the commanders unless I'm out of options. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but speaking more of the commanders, Sam Howell, no big deal, just QB 10, y'all. <laughs> um still hasn't even really fully unlocked that rushing potential, which I think is coming maybe this week. Um, but Again, I, Sam Howell just continues to do it. I, I love to see it um, from him. I know, you know, the offensive weapons, Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, um, they've been fine. They haven't really had like the huge games. He's just been doing it with everybody, which is is great. He's got the weapons to to spread the ball around and, and build up his own um, fantasy production, which is nice. So even against the Bills, I don't mind Sam Howell. Um, I just kind of continue to plug and play him in, in like super flex leagues as my QB2 quite often. It's kind of crazy because uh, you look at the production between Josh Allen and Sam Howell, and actually it's not all that different. Right. Um, <laughs> like uh, Josh Allen, 510 passing yards on the season, Sam Howell, 501, uh, Sam Howell, three passing touchdowns, one interception, Josh Allen, four passing touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, you know, you, you see Sam Howell with uh, a little bit more efficiency in terms of his yards per attempt. Uh, 
you guys, they're, they're actually kind of comparable right now at this point in the season, which is insane. Um, I agree. You love to, you'd love to see a little bit more of that rushing potential with Sam Howell. You know, it's there mm-hmm. uh, just need to uh, kind of exercise that a little bit more frequently. Um, yeah. He's just kind of getting it done and he's, he's, you know, not hyper targeting necessarily anyone, anyone player. Um, you just like to see that he is sort of making his progressions in the field and um, you know, I, yeah, I, I love Sam Howell. Um, you know, again, you don't love this matchup against the bills necessarily, but um, you know, probably going to be under pressure, probably going to see um, you know, some, some tough defensive looks that maybe he hasn't seen before, but you know, I, I think the rushing potential, if they are able to, um, you know, tighten up coverage down the field, you might see Sam Howell still be able to use his legs and and get some plays that way. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, the only other thing, I guess, for the commanders, the backfield, uh, we know Brian Robinson dominated the touches. Antonio Gibson has essentially been a ghost um, so far. So are, are you ready to move on from Antonio Gibson or are you holding out hope at all um, for him in this offense? I'm I'm not comfortable starting him in mm-hmm. in any format whatsoever at this point. Um, I was really excited about Antonio Gibson. I thought he was in kind of an interesting spot mm-hmm. to make a, uh, a couple waves as a pass catcher. It, just four targets so far in the season, 54 receiving yards, but it doesn't even have sort of that that floor as you know five ten carries. Like that's what you want to see on any yeah. given week to supplement some of that upside as a receiver, if that's sort of what you're banking on there. And you haven't seen that, that floor for carries. This has been the Brian Robinson show. And I, I hate to say it, but Antonio Gibson, you know, unless you're, you're in dire straits at running back, probably droppable at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I think this is probably last chance to kind of see what the Cheer. usage is there for Antonio Gibson. And then, and then, yeah, we can chuck him to the side and hopefully find a better option because yeah, if it, the usage continues the way it does, it's just not usable for, for fantasy purposes. Um, I think that's pretty much it for the, the Washington Howells game. Anything else for you? I think that's it. Uh, Mr. Howell. I, yeah, <laughs> we salute you. I love me some Sam Howell, baby. I I'm I'm excited, and you know what? I think this is going to be sort of a statement game for Sam Howell if he can produce, um, even you know finish inside the top fifteen fantasy quarterbacks. I feel like that's a really good indication against you mm-hmm. know if he can pull it off against this defense, then I'm just comfortable starting Sam Howell. Um, yeah. you know, regardless of matchup, like I I think this is going to be the big test for him this year and he's got a lot to prove, but you know, he's one of those guys that he might still be under waiver wire at this point and very much worth a stash. Cause if he can overcome this matchup um, and maybe show off some of that athleticism, some of that, that power with his legs um, you might have a fantasy stud rest of season and he might still be under waiver wire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think when we talked to, when we did the waiver wire, uh, episode on on Tuesday, he was at like less than ten percent rostered on on ESPN League, so he's definitely Jeez. out there um, even still. So to go get some Sam Howell, and yeah, I, I still like the the potential for him this week. Sam um, Howell. <laughs> all right, let's go to the Carolina Panthers and the Seattle Seahawks. Um, it seems like Bryce Young is unlikely to play in this game, which means we're more than likely going to get Andy Dalton. 
do you have any interest in the Carolina Panthers receiving weapons um, with Andy Dalton at QB? No, no. I'm just not not a big fan of of this matchup in general. Like I, <laughs> yeah. it, I it's on the road. I don't I I don't know. I I don't really like any of these Carolina wide receivers in general. Um, you know the the transition to Andy Dalton, maybe that, that increased some of this offensive efficiency a little bit, um, you know, playing with a, a rookie quarterback, not always, you mm-hmm. know, ideal in any circumstances, but um, you know, I, I don't know that any of these guys are, are big standouts to me at this point. You know, we've seen Hayden Hurst have uh, some success. He might be a, an okay option if you're looking to stream a tight end, but Again, not somebody I'm necessarily excited about at this point. Um, just kind of looking to avoid this offense in general. Again, unless I'm in some dire straits where mm-hmm. you, you really need to uh, be skimming the waiver wire here. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Even with Bryce Young at quarterback, I still wasn't overly interested in these these guys after two weeks. But it, it just it's not nothing to get excited about here in Carolina. So. We could probably talk about the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I, I mean, for me, I don't know. I, again, it's a team that we mostly know what, what's going on with them as far as their offense goes. Um, Carolina, I will say, like the the seventh highest rate of zone coverage in the league, so very zone heavy. And Tyler Lockett has stood out to me as somebody particularly impressive against zone coverage so far this season. He's earned 0.49 fantasy points per route run, which leads his team. It's a top 25 mark in the league. Um, so I think he could potentially be a, a, a nice play this week against um, against Carolina. But I, other than that, I mean, we, we know we're starting DK Metcalf for the most part. How do you feel about the, the backfield for, for Seattle? I actually, I, I kind of like it. Um, yeah. You know, I think this is an interesting matchup, kind of fading DK Metcalf this week. And mm-hmm. uh, you also mentioned um, Tyler Lockett. I like him a little bit more in this matchup than DK Metcalf in particular. Um, you know, interestingly, like DK Metcalf has been the wide receiver that's been actually producing. But, you know, Tyler Lockett's usage is absolutely there. He's seeing, you know, mm-hmm. he's leading the team in, in terms of red zone targets, end zone targets. Um, you know, it, it just hasn't necessarily connected. So I think he's a little bit overdue for a solid matchup. And I think this one plays a little bit more toward Tyler Lockett than it does DK Metcalf. Um, so kind of looking at that split there. But, I, you know, I think part of what we're seeing right now with the Carolina Panthers is that you know, there's been a lot of productivity in terms of the run game. Um, you mm. know, Tyler Algier, 75 rushing yards, two touchdowns, Bijan Robinson, 56 rushing yards, second most fantasy points given up to the position so far. Um, and I think, you know, some of that probably comes from, you know, the, the fact that this isn't a, a, you know, robust Carolina Panthers offense, right? Like, this is not a situation where you're playing, you know, opposing teams are playing from behind a lot. Like they're able to run the ball and, and have, you know, some of that time of possession and, and enjoy that. Um, I, I very much like the run game, not, not enough to try to take a, a shot yet on Zach Charbonnet. Again, mm-hmm. I love Zach Charbonnet, but um, I, I think this is going to be a big Kenneth Walker game. And I think, uh, you know, I, pretty sure I have him right now, like RB six, RB seven. So nice. very, very bullish. Um, you know, I, I think this is going to be a, an opportunity, not just for volume. You know, I, I think this is also going to be a spot where you could see some efficiency. 
Nice. Love that. Um, all right, let's go to the Chicago Bears at the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, the 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 struggles of Justin Fields have really been disappointing. I, and it doesn't really get easier this week either. I, I was super confident in him heading into the year, but watching him early on does have me pretty concerned, more so than I than I thought I would be um two weeks into the season. So not feeling great about Justin Fields, not feeling great about DJ Moore. Obviously, nobody else on the Chicago passing game has is is sniffing a starting lineup for me. Um, how about you? Do, do you have any reason for optimism that things will turn around for Justin Fields and this offense make me feel better? I think your biggest hope is that, you know, the the team is going to realize that they're forcing Justin Fields to be something he's not. He's yeah. not... You know, I don't know if he ever can become a pocket passer. He's not one right now and trying to force him to be one, not, not successful whatsoever right now for, uh, you know, a team that was so heavy against the run last or so heavy with the run last year. Um, you know, we're, we're just not seeing enough emphasis on that as a part of Justin Fields game. Um, and, and I think taking away that aspect of his game probably hurts him more as a passer because you're 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 just limiting him so significantly in in what he brings to the table. Um, he just looked like a glorified disaster, two touchdowns, three interceptions, like really hard to even trust him in fantasy at this point. But mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not dropping him yet. I'm not not getting crazy. I'm still holding out some hope. But if there is hope, it's got to come from the coaching staff and a willingness to get more design runs in play and, and start utilizing his best skill set. Um, and, and what makes him so special as a quarterback is that dual threat nature. Like you've got to emphasize that. And, you know, it's sometimes you look at the, the offensive game plans for these teams and you're like, why, why are you overthinking it? Stop overthinking it and do the thing you're good at. Yeah. I, like I'm ready. I'm ready to take over as OC for the, for the bears. Do the thing you're good at. You're hired. The ball. You, you're absolutely hired uh, because somebody has to go in there and give those guys head a shake because it's true. It's, it's, it's super frustrating to watch. It's, it's puzzling to say the least. I, I mean, I, I don't know what the game plan is going to be this week against the chiefs, but it doesn't feel like they have one. It doesn't no. feel like this team has an identity at all right now, which is yeah. part of the big concern. Now, the one good thing for fantasy managers we saw last week, um, finally, uh, Deontay Foreman was a healthy scratch. So, right. like, we moved one guy out of the equation, <laughs> which was good. Neither of them, uh, neither, you know, Khalil Herbert or rookie Roshan Johnson were overly productive mm-hmm. uh, as rushers. But you like at least that backfield's simplifying and clearing out a little bit. Um, But again, they, you know, in order for them to actually succeed, like these two running backs last week combined for 11 carries, like that is not the identity of the Chicago bears coming into the season was supposed to be centered around the run game. And it's literally been complete opposite of that. Um, You know, I don't know if, they feel like they can establish the run because of struggles on defense, which, which haven't been helped by injuries. They, you know, their defensive coordinator resigned. Like this team's a disaster. Um, and congratulations for having the number one overall pick again. 
Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> That'll make Caleb a Williams decision season. for sure. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because they are not off to a good start. And yeah, at least with the backfield, some addition by subtraction there by giving us uh, just Roshan Johnson and Khalil Herbert. We'll see if, if that clears itself up anymore um this week. But yeah, just avoiding the Chiefs against or avoiding the Bears against a very good Chiefs defense. Um how about on the Chiefs side? This is feels like the same thing that we talk about every week with the the, the Chiefs is their wide receiver core, right? Like the targets are there for Kadarius Tony. The snaps are not. There's somebody else leading the group this week. Sky Moore led them last week. Um, but it's just the, such a heavy rotation. I, I we know Travis Kelsey, we know Patrick Mahomes are not leaving our lineups, but it, it's still zero interest in, in the Chiefs wide receiver core, or has somebody emerged? Still no interest for me. I know, uh, like you mentioned, Canaries Tony being targeted on a high percentage of snaps, but not playing a ton of snaps. And, you know, these targets that he's had haven't really resulted to much. So, um, you know, despite literally leading the, the team in targets right now, ranks fifth on the team in total receiving yards. Not great, Bob. Not great. Don't love that. Um, you know, I do think that this, you know, this matchup is fairly advantageous. Uh, love, you know, the opportunity that, you know, this offense in general could have in terms of getting, you know, some of that pass game going. I think this could be a really nice spot against this, this banged up secondary that has lost all direction. Um, you know, I, I think for season long leagues, I have, you know, a harder time justifying these guys in your lineup. Um, but you know, sky Moore probably the best bet for you, but you know, gut check. I'm going with Rashi Rice again. I, I just got the tinglies for for Rashi Rice. Leads the team in PFF receiving grade. Um, leads the team in passer rating when targeted. Uh, leads the team in yards per route run. Like you know, he's played uh, you know few snaps, but he's been extremely extremely efficient in those few snaps. Um, and I, I think that this is going to translate to increased playing time sooner rather than later. And I'll take this matchup against the bears as an ideal opportunity to, to spark plug that offense. Nice. Yeah. It's a great matchup for sure. It's just a matter of trusting, you know, the, the, the playing time for these guys and Rashi rice. Yeah. It's just, I think his playing time even dipped last week, which is crazy. You would hope that it, it just continues to increase as the weeks go on, but um, there we'll see what happens. I, I, I like Rashi rice. Um, like long-term, I, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like I, I just don't want to trust it. I don't want to play around with the Chiefs wide receivers yeah, at this I, point. Yeah. You're playing roulette. If you, if yeah. you start a Chiefs receiver, you're playing roulette. Um, You know, again, saw a dip in productivity last week in, in week two for Rashi Rice, uh, decreased playing time. But, you know, again, they went back to the well with Kadarius Tony, And I, I think the lack of production, despite their, continued efforts with Kadarius Tony needs to be a clear signal that like, let's try something else. Um, and you know, let's see if somebody else can get the ball rolling here again. Rushy rice is just my favorite, but none of these guys I'm, I'm excited about in terms of mm -hmm. fantasy upside, even if this is a great, great matchup, um, maybe take a couple of darts in, in your DFS lineups, but season long, this is really, really hard to trust uh, anybody in this receiving core.
Yeah, yeah. Just hoping that the Chiefs find this as like a positive matchup to test these guys out a little bit more like Rashi Rice, because I mean, they're the Chiefs aren't losing this game against the Bears, right? It just does not seem possible at this point. And uh, who knows? I, we, we've obviously been shocked in the NFL before. And now that I've said that, um, you might want to bet heavily on the Bears, but we'll see. <laughs> um, uh, let's uh, let's just keep it going here. We're going to go to the Dallas Cowboys and the Arizona Cardinals. Um Shocker. I'm staying away from the Arizona wide receivers. Uh, Dallas. Yeah, they've just been they've been unreal. This defense Uh, super man heavy defense as well. The most man heavy defense in the NFL and against man, the Cardinals have wide receivers have totaled three receptions for just over 30 yards. Um, The Cowboys are a top 10 team in coverage grade while in man coverage. Um, They've allowed a first down or a touchdown on just 28.6% of their coverage snaps in man, which is tied for six best in the league. You add in that elite pass rush from the Dallas defensive line. And this is just a a offense to avoid completely uh, in Arizona. I think. Yeah, no, thank you. James Connor, a guy who I've, really liked a lot like even even him I think he's a fine maybe volume-based play mm-hmm. might get some work as a receiver because I do think they're going to struggle to get that that you know efficient run game going against the Dallas Cowboys but in general you're you're not looking forward to starting any of these guys outside of of you know sort of desperation plays Dallas Cowboys uh ranks second in overall pressure rate uh third fewest or sorry fourth fewest uh missed force tackles like they're getting to the quarterback. They're they're limiting plays based on their tackling ability. Um, this is just not a a defensive matchup that you're you're looking to target in any way. On the other side of the ball, though, like start up all your cowboys. Uh, mm-hmm. You know why not? Yeah, I am. I that feels like a good a good enough matchup to definitely feel comfortable playing any of the Dallas players, even Dak Prescott and um you know, if Brandon Cooks plays, I can't remember if he, if he's uh looking to play this week or not, but I'd feel perfectly fine about him. Tony Pollard, I think it's a, again inside that top 5 running back um for this week as well against Arizona. The one, I guess, Jake Ferguson has looked good so far this year, but below 50% route participation last week was pretty disappointing. So that could be a little harder to bank on, at least from the tight end position. So that's maybe the one position I'd be looking to maybe find somebody else in in this spot, at least until we see that usage go up for Ferguson. But how how about you? Yeah, we did see, um, you know, a a little bit of involvement there from Luke Schoonmaker, uh, Mm -hmm. rookie tight end for the Dallas Cowboys last week. He caught a touchdown. Um, You did get a touchdown from Jake Ferguson, which you love to see. But um, just in general, you know, like, you know, Ferguson's leading the team uh, in terms of of routes run for the tight end group, Um, you know, but yeah, it's probably... um, not the most ideal situation, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I also think you could do a lot worse right. than Jake Ferguson. Fair. Yep. There we go. Um, so yeah, not a lot to really have to kind of focus on in that game. It's pretty straightforward. So uh, let's go to uh, my, uh, Sunday night football, the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, Najee Harris versus Jalen Warren. This has been a, a continued saga throughout the, the, the off season. It's continued into the regular season here. How are you feeling about that? Najee Warren uh, volume three, I guess now of us talking about this previewing the weeks. Yeah, this, uh, you know, again, just in general, you don't want really any asset in this offense. Um, Jalen Warren, I think kind of his most interesting uh, point here, like, 
saw them, you know, move back toward the run last week after uh, what 10 total rush attempts in week one, the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Steelers. Um, you know, you're still seeing, you know, involvement from Najee Harris as the team's primary running back. But what's really interesting for Jalen Warren is his usage as a receiver. Um, 11 targets so far through two games, caught nine of them for 78 yards, looks super explosive as a receiver. Um, you know, I think he's he's one of these guys that maybe even if you're not throwing him into your fantasy lineups, maybe you're you're smashing that over uh, in terms of. Um, you know, his, his receiving yards, but I think he's like right around uh, 31 receiving yards or something on, on DraftKings right now. Uh, one of those guys that like, I, I kind of, I, I like for that, that potential as, as for work as a receiver, but in general, I don't want any assets on this offense. A Pat Fryermuth absolutely unstartable. He is droppable at this point for me, given the struggles on the, the offense um, five total targets, despite ranking top 10 in total pass attempts. Um, you hate to see it. You hate to see, see all of that, um, have seen some difference in usage. So he's seeing a, a higher percentage of his snaps, uh, playing in line as opposed to playing out of the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, have seen Allen Robinson playing, you know, the bulk of those snaps from the slot. I don't know if that has anything to do with, with his usage, but in general, like, this offense looks lost. Kenny Pickett looks lost. And this team has a propensity for, for targeting outside the numbers. And, you know, when you have Pat Fryermuth running routes across the middle of the field, that, you know, that's not conducive for a, a big enough target share in order to be startable for fantasy. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I feel like I, I could trust George Pickens this week. I, I think it's a good matchup for him, but I'm with you. I, I don't trust Pat Fryermuth. I, I I don't really feel great about Allen Robinson either. Um, I kind of I don't mind Najee Harris this week. Like, I this is it's such a weird matchup because the Steelers, <laughs> their offensive line is generating exactly zero yards before contact so far this season. Which, for anyone wondering, that is last in the league. Um, but meanwhile, the Raiders they rank thirtieth in run defense grade this season, so not good. So something kind of has to give here, right? It, it's it's essentially like the opposite of um, the unstoppable force meets the immovable it's... object, whatever that is, like wet toilet <laughs> paper versus a cooked spaghetti noodle, or I have no idea, but whatever it is <laughs> we're, that we're getting for Najee Harris here, it, ha- it has to be better for him, right? It's whoever like sucks worse at this yeah, point. Yeah. That's it's the battle of mid um, right it now is. between <laughs> the Steelers offensive line and the Raiders defensive line. I think, yeah, I I, th- I agree. I think George Pickens is a fine play um, kind of emerging as that top target without mm-hmm. Deontay Johnson. Um, it, I, I hate giving any advice and not about Najee Harris at this point. Cause I'm so worried that like, I'm, I'm totally biased. I actually think, um, you know, from a, a perspective of watching Harris as compared to last year and the year prior, I actually think he looks better. I think he looks more explosive. Um, I, I think his vision looks improved from previous seasons, which I think was kind of a point of contention for me uh, when it comes to Najee Harris and his production. Like it just felt like he could not see the holes. Um, I, I feel like all of those things have improved this season, but it's really hard because, you know, you you have Matt Canada, who I think. Um, you know, from, you know, an offensive play caller standpoint, I don't think he understands like Najee bruiser, um, you know, Jalen Warren guy, you can bounce to the outside. Like he thinks you can do anything with either one of these backs rather than, you know, developing a game plan. That's 
suitable to their skill sets and in you know a a, a game plan that de uh, de-emphasizes is that like a word um, de-emphasizes the failures on the offensive line. Like he's not yeah. he's not a good enough offensive coordinator to do that. So I think you're you're not expecting a ton from Najee Harris, but like technically it should be a fine game against the Raiders. They are road underdogs, two and a half point underdogs. Um, but it, you know, historically the Steelers haven't traveled super well uh, out West. We'll see if that changes. How about the Raiders though? Like anybody you're interested in against this Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Cause Jimmy Garoppolo might get eaten alive today or uh, on Sunday. Sure. I don't like TJ yeah. Watt and they're going to make a TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith sandwich with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's going to be, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be brutal. I, would, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, this is uh it's not a great matchup for the Raiders offense and Devontae Adams also questionable. Uh, Jacoby Myers still de- dealing with co- concussion, I believe. So both of these guys, if they're not playing, I, I have zero interest in anybody who is a passing option on the, on the Raiders. Josh Jacobs is probably the one where I'm like, I think I still just keep rolling him out there because yes. the volume is there, right? It, he's he, look, I know the stat line last week, everybody saw it. It's very funny, negative yards, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> but the usage is there, right? Like, and, and I get that the Steelers defense is there. I, I just don't believe that him or the Raiders run game is that bad so far. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. How do you feel about Jacobs and the Raiders right now? I don't mind him. He's averaging 1.6 yards per carry. You don't love that, but you know, it's got to go up from here. Right. And I think what, what probably encourages me more is like last week um, in week two, when they were having trouble running the ball, nine carries negative two rushing yards, they, you know, got him involved as a receiver and, Mm -hmm. and you kind of like that pivot, um, you know, 20 touches in week one, um, you know, fewer touches, uh, 14 touches in week two, but you're going to, you're starting a, a running back with 14 plus touches every week yeah. and Cam Hayward, uh, you know, out with a groin injury. I think that that definitely is a weak spot for the Steelers defense. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of playmakers, um, but I, I like the Steelers better for their pass rush and less so for their run defense. And, you know, I think, you know, the, the Steelers, they always have a propensity for, for miss, uh, miss tackles and that, that could complement you know, the, the Raiders and the run game here pretty well. They're at home. Like I, I, I actually, I really like Jacobs this week as much as it pains me as a Steelers fan to say. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to bench him, right? Like, you know, that the volume is there both as a runner and as a receiver. So it's just like, I think you put him in, you hold your nose and hope that it ends up better than it was last week. But like you said, at the very least, he should still be involved in the receiving game, which will help him um, rack up some more fantasy production that way, at least. So um, all right, let, let, let's go on to uh, one of two Monday night football games once again, um, because, you know, it's week three. So naturally, there's two Monday night football games again. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is the first one. Uh, any confidence in an A.J. Brown blow up game for the first time this season? Because we have not seen it yet from A.J. Brown. Yes. A.J. Brown going kaboom. Uh, I'm, I'm all over AJ Brown in week three, the Buccaneers, their, their run defense. I'm not targeting matchups against their past defense though. Like they're banged up. Um, you know, you've got Avante Maddox just placed on IR, um, James Bradbury. I'm not sure what his status is heading into week three, but, uh, managing a concussion. Um, you know, I, I think 
this has been a point of liability here for this Eagles defense is the secondary. Um, you know, you have AJ Brown who, you know, has kind of taken a back seat recently to Devonta Smith, mm-hmm. it would feel like, but ranks seventh among wide receivers and targeted air yard percentage uh, ahead of Devonta Smith has had four red zone targets, two end zone targets. Like the usage is there. If you build it, he will catch it and it will go for a <laughs> touchdown. And I'm a hundred percent going back to the well, uh, especially against this matchup through the air. Love that. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I am very much hoping for the big game for AJ Brown as well. Um, what about anything else for the the Eagles offense? Again, pretty straightforward offense for the most part. We know what they are, um, but the backfield has gotten a little bit more interesting with DeAndre Swift's emergence last week uh, on Thursday Night Football, had the big game against Minnesota. Um, Kenneth Gainwell potentially comes back. Do you think that mixes up anything at all, or are we still trusting DeAndre Swift? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting DeAndre Swift. I'm not comfortable starting... Uh, Kenneth Gainwell at this point I feel like it's going to be really hard to put that lightning back in the bottle and maybe they do Uh, they came out and you know it seemed like Kenneth Gainwell had this very firm grasp on that role um, you know injury aside Uh, so maybe he gets more involved than you would expect but I still think this is probably DeAndre Swift's role Um, I think honestly probably the biggest question mark for me is what to do with Dallas Goddard Uh, you know Mm -hmm. who we all probably drafted as like the tight end six tight end seven, um, you know, somewhere, somewhere around there ranks uh, tied for the the 10th most routes run uh, only produced 22 total yards, six receptions, like been super inefficient, um, but hasn't, hasn't been playable to this point. Does he right. see some positive regression here? It, Cause like historically he's been an analytics dream this year, not so much. Yeah, it, it, it's not the best matchup either for for tight ends, right? Unless he's getting Devin White covering him, which is is unlikely considering they also have Levante David, they have Antoine Winfield, they have Ryan Neal, guys that can cover the tight end very well. So look, they they tried to scheme up touches for him a little bit on Thursday night um, last week, and he just wasn't able to do much with it. And then after that, they just kind of went away from him a little bit. So not feeling very confident. I, I liked Dallas Goddard quite a bit this year. Um, so far, not off to a great start, but uh, God, I, I, yeah, I think there'll be better matchups for him. I just don't love it. Maybe necessarily this week against Tampa Bay. Yeah. I, I like, uh, you know, the idea of Jalen hurts and this offense targeting, you know, the, the outside um, not so much right across that, that linebacker core uh, with this tight end, um, you know, and not giving up faith uh, on, Goddard, you love right. to see the route participation, mm-hmm. even if the the target share and the efficiency hasn't been significant. So not dropping him at this point, um, it, like you said, better matchups ahead. But I do think that, um, you know, I don't think you can start him like at this point, if I have been counting on Dallas Goddard and I see Taysom Hill on waivers, mm-hmm. I'm probably picking up Taysom Hill in week two and I'm playing him over Dallas Goddard. Like that's how, that's how lukewarm I am on Dallas Goddard this week. And I'm not happy about it. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to blame you. It's been a very uh, rough start for the year. So we'll see what happens this week. Um, Again, don't love the matchup, but I do have at least more confidence long-term for, for Dallas Goddard in this offense. We'll see uh, what the, there will be more favorable matchups basically going forward. But um, 
On the Tampa Bay side, we talked to Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans last week. Mike Evans had a massive game, so we love to see that. Um, but he's really been, I, I think, another top target, I think, this year. I mean, been the, he's playing against the Eagles here. The, the Eagles have been a top 10 team with uh, in zone coverage, um, but they've also been in the bottom 10 uh, uh, teams and yards allowed per coverage snap while in zone. So I think there's opportunity here for Mike Zone, Mike Mike Evans um, to dominate the zone coverage like he has all year. He's been among the best in the league in fantasy points per route run facing zone coverage, 0.79. He's earned the third best receiving grade versus zone coverage so far this season as well. So I think this is a really great matchup to kind of go back to Mike Evans as another potentially um, huge game a- a- against Philadelphia. Even though the Eagles defense is great, I think Evans could be the kind of one that that stands out, at least to me, that that I'm most interested in anyways. But uh, how about you? Who, anybody that you like on Tampa Bay here? I actually, uh, you know, the the Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans stack might not be the worst. Um, mm-hmm. I mentioned those, those few uh, injuries to the Eagles secondary. Um, you know, that could be a, a really nice spot for Mayfield to take advantage. Um, you know, he's been, uh, you know, slinging it down the field, um, you know, 81 PFF passing grade ranks third best among all quarterbacks. Um, six most completions of 20 or more air yards this year, like showing a great connection with Mike Evans. Um, I think it's a, a fine, fine start, uh, for, for Mike Evans, um, probably, probably going to finish as a, you know, another top 12 week, especially given the the injuries here in this Eagles secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, also spoiler alert, talked about Baker Mayfield in my emergency waiver wire article coming out on Friday. So uh, maybe if you need a quarterback in case of emergency, I don't think Baker Mayfield is the worst option, which is <laughs> insane for me to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he's played better than Deshaun Watson um, this yes, year. And he I'm has. sorry, Browns fans, but it's been true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and then anything else for Tampa Bay? Rashad White had a really nice game last week, but not the best matchup for him. Uh, the Eagles' run defense has been a lot more solid. I think they rank third in uh, run defense grade this year. Bucks O line ranks 31st in yards before contact uh, per attempt um, so far this year. So, not ideal matchup for the run game, but confidence in Rashad White at all maybe it's a volume play I'm not looking for any sort of efficiency a terrible matchup looking to avoid it if I can but again like given the injuries that we've sustained over the past week between Nick Chubb Saquon Bark like it's it's been a, a mess um probably going to be hard to sit Rashad White with that potential for volume mm-hmm. um as he's seen it so far so you know if you're not able to sit him again, this is a moment where you maybe look to the flex and, you know, try to try to have a, a higher upside option there. Very fair. Um, all right, let's go to part two of Monday night football. And that is the Los Angeles Rams at the set Cincinnati Bengals, where we get to see the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. And no, it's not Jamar Chase and T Higgins, <laughs> but of course, Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell. Uh, Kate, how are you feeling about this Rams passing offense? They have been on fire lately. Um, are you ready to fire them up again uh, against the Bengals? I'm con- I'm so confused by the production we've seen out of the Rams. Um, it, to be fair, like it hasn't been the most efficient. Like we're seeing a, mm-hmm. a high volume pass attack. Um, you know, only one receiving touchdown so far uh, for for the Rams this year. Like, um, you know, this has very much been a volume based play. Um, it, but I do think that 
Pukanakua, a fine start. Tutu Atwell, I actually think is a fine start. Um, you know, despite the fact that he is a, like, you can barely see him. He's like this, you know, an inch big. <laughs> um, he's been a total fixture in this Rams pass attack. Uh, 196 receiving yards through two games has led the team in routes run yards per reception. Uh, second highest average depth of target on the team. He's played 57.3% of his snaps out wide, which is blowing my mind. Like I thought for sure he would be this gadget guy and play primarily out of the slot. Like, no, he's actually, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's being targeted downfield four targets of 20 or more air yards to lead the entire Rams offense so far through two games. The usage, I don't get it, but you know what? It's working for Tutu Atwell. So like, you know, obviously Pukunakua, you're starting him, um, but also Tutu Atwell, he's probably much more likely on your waivers than Puka is at this point. So, you know, if you're in need of a flex play, I think Tutu is is not a bad start. Yeah, not a bad one. I, I would say, like, I think this is probably going to be their toughest matchup uh, of the season so far, at least as far as coverage units go. The Bengals are one of the better units in the in the league. I mean, they they play a lot of man coverage, um, and they've allowed just 3.39 yards per coverage snap while in man, which is the third best uh, mark in the league. So I think there's potential there that that we might not see as big of games from, from Atwell and Nakua, which uh, it doesn't feel like that, that hot of a take because they've been absolutely on fire lately and there's bound to be some regression there so just something to kind of keep an eye on but you, you kind of have to start them i think they're they've just been so solid and the volume has been has been unbelievable so um the other part of the rams offense at least worth talking about kyron williams who did not care that he was facing the the 49ers last week we talked about that matchup not liking it for him and then all he did was finish as the overall ppr rb1 in week two um <laughs> Are, are are we done doubting Kyron Williams? Um, or can we trust him in lineups this week? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, volume-based play is is always a great thing. Uh, you, you love to see um, the in- involvement there. Like the the difference in terms of, of snap production between him and Ronnie, like lights out. Yeah. He is the guy for this offense. Um, you know, you literally don't have to worry about Cam Akers because he's been shipped out of town. But what's really exciting, I think, overall for Kyron Williams is uh, the usage in the receiving game. And Mm -hmm. that is going to, I think, like regardless of matchup, that leaves things wide open in terms of, you know, the the ability to generate more touches um, even when things go south and, and you're not maybe able to dedicate as many resources to hashtag establishing the run. Um, right now, Kyron Williams leads all running backs in routes run for the 2023 season so far. Um, you know, not necessarily been like uber efficient, but mm-hmm. has been, you know, a, a top target in this offense. Very weirdly enough, um, you know, 11 targets on the year that's that's tied for the most among all running backs. Um, you love to see that production and and hard to argue with that kind of usage because he's probably going to see 20 touches a game uh you know it right I, yeah 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 I'm, I'm with you i mean you trust the volume more than anything and then we worry about the efficiency and things like that after but as long as the touches are there that's what's going to create the fantasy points so still love it um wheels up for for kyron williams now especially with cam Akers kind of uh sent off uh a sense I never thought I would hear, by the way, like a year ago, if you would have told me we said wheels up Kyron Williams, I would have told you like, 
no yeah what is <laughs> no going absolutely on? Yeah. not this is, no but i'm i'm here for it i'm here for the kyron williams era yeah yeah i'm with you um and then on the bengals side of things joe burrow still considered kind of day-to-day with a calf injury um not good. I I know he suited up for practice this week, but it, his status has not been cleared up as far as this game. It obviously sucks that it's the last game of the week, so we just have to keep on waiting and hoping. Would you be starting Joe Burrow this week? Do you have a pivot? I guess Matthew Stafford, Stafford could potentially be a pivot that's available um, on some waiver wires if you need to. I'm going to tell you my pivot. We just talked about my pivot, and it's it's probably Baker Mayfield there you go. at this yeah, point. <laughs> Like, you know what, Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, he's probably going to be sitting out there on waivers, like I said, unless you are in dire straits and you know you're not going to, you know, improve things uh, from that standpoint. He's probably going to be sitting on your waiver wire heading into, uh, you know, this this Monday night football matchup. Um, you know, I, I think in terms of like you want points, right? Like, and, and what points are you going to get, you know, and if he does sit, um, clearly this team struggling with efficiency, mm-hmm. um, you just, you don't love to, to see what we're seeing right now out of this Bengals team. They are not themselves. Joe Burrow is not himself. Um, I would rather like pivot to, like I said, one of these, these other matchups, a Baker Mayfield, um, that, you know, might provide maybe less upside, but mm-hmm. at least I'm probably going to bank on at least 15 points in that scenario. Plus, I, I have a, a plus matchup um, to, you know, hopefully give me a little bit more of a significant upside there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. With you. And and look, if he does play, I, I think this is a decent matchup as far as like coverage grades go. I mean, the Rams are the lowest graded coverage unit in the league right now at 40.1 um, PFF coverage grade. So I think if Burrow plays, I think we could maybe potentially get like our first big Jamar Chase game um, of the year against that Rams secondary. But we're banking on a lot here because Burrow, it, it just feels questionable. And like you said, the Bengals, offense a little bit out of sorts here so it becomes a little bit more difficult to trust it and we just haven't seen it from jamar chase yet even though we know that it's coming it'll happen at some point um i i feel pretty good that it could happen this week um if burrow plays but it's a big question it's a big if 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 burrow plays it is a big if and it you know another reason why i like baker mayfield also uh you know that Monday night matchup, hopefully we have some more clarification uh, by that point about Burrow's status, about how healthy he is, if he is intending to play like, um, but if not Baker Mayfield also plays on Monday night football, um, albeit the game before him, but Mm -hmm. that, that provides fantasy managers a little bit more extra room to pivot just in case. But, you know, if, if Burrow's out, obviously you still start Jamar Chase, you still start T Higgins, but you're not going to expect nearly what, I, I think you came into this season expecting from both of them. Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. And then we should get the Bengals inactive before kickoff for the bucks and, and Eagles as well. So that, that helps for sure um, making that decision, but yeah, that that's going to do it for another big preview episode. Uh, hopefully we covered all the key fantasy information that people were looking for heading into week three. Um, and, and if not, there are plenty of articles on PFF.com that can help you out as well. Um, Kate, Thank you, as always, for doing this with me. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. And, and speaking of articles up on pff.com, please let everybody know uh, what you have up there uh, this week. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this week, been working on uh, the PFF rushing report. So taking some of those mm -hmm. key stats and information from week two and projecting forward to week three and seeing what we might be able to take away, maybe some values, uh, and then also look for my, uh, in case of emergency, waiver wire pickups uh, coming out on Friday. Thanks. Um, and then as for me, you could find the IDP fantasy report, IDP rankings, uh, O-line, D-line matchups to target and avoid. The wide receiver man and zone coverage report is up as well now. Um, Nate and I will be back to recap week three, either Sunday night or Monday morning. We haven't quite figured that one out yet. But either way, hope you'll tune in and check it out. Thank you all for listening. Uh, and until next time, peace out. 